Welcome to another episode of Season 3 of the Panjway Podcast. As usual, you can find our episodes on YouTube, Facebook, and your favorite podcast platform, whether that's Spotify or Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, you pick it, we're there. If you want to support the podcast financially, we've set up a few ways for you to do so this season. You can become a patron by hopping over to patreon.com slash the Panjway Podcast and sign up for a small monthly donation. If you want to make a one-time donation, you can find us on Venmo at the Panjway Podcast. And last but not least, we've got a small selection of merchandise in our store. So if you head over to thepanjoypodcast.com and click on the store tab, you'll see stickers and other merchandise and who knows what might come down the pipeline. All that I can hope is you take me with you when you go. I guess I should have known I can't leave with you when you go. Yeah, I mean, I you know they had this uh, this disease or sickness out there. No, I didn't get hurt. I mean, I did like almost lose my finger. I sewed it. I got it sewed back on. Uh, Doc Detmers, Aaron Detmers, he he sewed it back on for me, and I got video of it. I was laughing the whole time because I just didn't want to cry or anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's only two ways to process pain, man. So I, I laughed yeah. at it. But uh, yeah, they had this disease called like. Uh, the Nangahar fever or uh, whatever. It was like sandfly fever on mm-hmm. steroids. Really? And I, got, and I was trying to go to sleep. So every time I would like pass out in the bird, I hadn't eaten for six days and shit like that. Whatever my, my fever was. And so every time I would pass out in the bird, like the, the flight medic, he would sternum rub me and I'd be like, oh, fuck, dude. Word. Like, <laughs> I was I'm, like, I'm fine, there. man. I'm not going to die. <laughs> what happened to the finger dude uh it almost got chopped off man Uh, they they set it back on and like it works pretty well it's just got a pretty gnarly scar going on chopped off by what though (laughs) you know afghanistan it just does it just does what (laughs) afghanistan does all right right, right. man of mystery man of mystery you were you were playing you were playing five finger fillet weren't you yeah yeah yeah, absolutely yeah Yeah, no with 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 a hatchet (laughs) yeah (laughs) here's the joe dirt picture (laughs) <laughs> oh, I can barely see Ah, that. shit. You can't yeah, it's that glare on the light. I was right trying now. to cover it up like I was going to do something. Oh, so yeah, yeah. You look... That's very... Um, it's very Hank Williams-like. That's what I it like looks that. like. Yeah. You need to go back to it. I, yeah, it I am all very for Hank it. Williams, yeah. I am all it's for terrible. it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, oh, every veteran Char- has a more, full beard. More Charlie Daniels. That look very Charlie Daniels. Yeah, Charlie Daniels. Well, I... Well, the story behind that is... I, I told my cousin what I wanted to do was shave the goatee down. So we were out horseback riding in South Dakota. So I wanted to look cowboy, you know. And I told my cousin, shave the goatee down, but leave the chops and the stash. And I wanted to see if it would kind of work. 
you know mm-hmm. well he he took the chopping away the the shave lived uh, a little too liberally for my taste and ended up looking like fucking joe dirt <laughs> and, all you need uh, is that coda son but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i was laying in the back of my truck he, he was out fly, fly fishing and i was sitting there listening to the mexican folk music drinking a beer yeah. and these riders come up and i raised up and i said you boys seen a guy down there in a cowboy hat fishing and they're like, ah, oh, no, no. But they looked at me like I had landed from outer space, man. Some <laughs> yeah. like honky ass South Dakota and types. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 But That's anyways. Awesome. But anyways. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Pandre Podcast. We are sitting here with Ronnie Morgan. Ronnie was a staff sergeant and a squad leader uh, at uh, Spare One Gar in 2012, amongst many other hats that he wore during his time there. Um Ronnie was one of the the few seasoned NCOs in our in our company that had actually been not only to war before, uh, but also had been to Afghanistan multiple times. Uh, Ronnie was in third platoon, so he brings us a little bit of a unique perspective of our tour that you know even we didn't get a whole lot of eyes on, just because you know if you're familiar with how platoons in the infantry work, you know that yeah. other platoon are all assholes and you don't talk to them, and so yeah. <laughs> so you know we, we we never got a full story of what what the deployment was necessarily like for third platoon. Um, yeah. And that's you know, why we're really excited to have, have Ronnie on. So, Ronnie, thanks for, thanks for joining us. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's my pleasure. I, I didn't even know that uh, you guys were doing this thing. And it's my semi link because, you know, I don't have Facebook <laughs> or, or Instagram. Oh, yeah, I was yeah, like, that's... oh, man, this is, this is awesome. I'm good. good, man. Glad, glad yeah. you, glad so you I found started, us out. I started we're, listening to him. We're glad to have you on because yeah, uh, it's you, my pleasure. you provide a lot of insight that a lot of folks can't provide. But before we go down that wormhole... And the only way that we usually kick these things off is, um, you know, why did why did you join the army? You know, what what uh, why did you choose the infantry? And kind of give us the, the the quick spiel of how you ended up in in Panjway. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I, um, my mom was in the Air Force, uh, so twenty seven years. So I wish she was supposed to retire one October two thousand one, and uh, September eleventh happened. And she got stop loss, so she ended up mm-hmm. doing quite a bit more than than uh, twenty years. So I think she did twenty seven years. Now, you know, she was gone a lot and always traveling. I I read a lot, um, <clears throat> you know, I, and specifically like Vietnam. Vietnam was always my focus. Like I just, I I don't know what what it was about Vietnam is just something that I gravitated towards since I was like a child. Um, all I could picture myself was being, you know, a man with a green face humping through the jungles of Vietnam and like hunting down bad guys. But, uh, you know, I was fascinated by it. Now, um, you know, I, I got kicked out of Germany. Well, I got stuck in Germany for a little while. And after I got kicked out, um, I was back in the States. Now, um, I found myself in, you know, Louisiana and Texas, California, Vegas, Arizona, back in Texas, just kind of wandering around. Uh, I, I thought I'd always wanted to join the military. Um, and I was in college and I was trying to talk to the Air Force uh, guy so I could be a CCT and the Navy guy so I could go to mm-hmm. BUDS. No, mm-hmm. just neither one of them were ever there. So, uh, <laughs> you This know. is all pre-9-11. <clears throat> yeah, correct, pre-9-11. Um, and so one day I was in between, you know, my college and and going to work. I was I, I was hungry, 
No. Hey man, let me see if I can gas this dude into getting me a free lunch. So I just want to go rap to the to the uh, <laughs> army recruiter. You know, see if he'd take me across the street to Taco Cabana and get me some lunch and shit, right? Mm -hmm. You know, next thing you know, like I'm signing papers. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they I uh, took the ASVAB and all that kind of nonsense, and you know, out of at the time, 212 MLSs, like, I was eligible for 212 of them. Mm -hmm. I said, well, there's only one. I mean, I already knew where I wanted to go. Um, so they put me on a on a Ranger contract. Um, you know, I went. Um, I joined, and then after, after all of that, um, I was trying to go to second bat. Because uh, my son, or my son, my brother was uh, was a crew chief uh in the air force at, at mccord air force base so you know second bat was at lewis didn't work out that way i spent a year on on benning and it just wasn't wasn't what i thought it was going to be so i got orders back out to the uh to the regular army and i ended up in hawaii from hawaii you know i did a tour in afghanistan i came back and i went to a 4id and did a tour in iraq and I came back from there. I went to the hundred and first. Nah, did tours, tours in the hundred and first. I came back from there. That's how I ended up in uh, and third ID after after the hundred and first. Um, third ID, nah. Yeah, I mean that I makes you one in... of the most seasoned, probably the most seasoned, <clears throat> seasoned person in person the company. On the podcast. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't... In the company for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're right up there with Kitching. I mean, I mean, yeah. I would only argue that you probably have more time. You had more time in Afghanistan at that point because he was on, he was in Ranger Regiment. So there oh yeah, dude, I, I stick shit to to Camp Kitching, Colonel Kitching now all the time. <laughs> little, three, little three month tours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Three dude, month windshield tours of Afghanistan. All of my friends who are in Regiment, they're just <laughs> yeah. like, you know, like, oh yeah, you, you get an extra paid vacation to to sleep all damn day. Do steroids, work out, rage. <laughs> Go on a two-hour mission. May, yeah, fly maybe in, fly a two-hour hit. Yeah, yeah, and then come back. And, but those dudes are are exceptional, man. Like, if there's any any force in in the in the special ops community to be in, like regiment is is it. Mm. And I think if there's any part of special uh, special operations that had been so like effectively molded by this conflict, it's Ranger Regiment. Oh yeah, they they. Like when I was there, it was, you know, we were BDUs and, and black boots, but it was like every Monday was spits and starches. Like mm -hmm. your uniform needed to be able to stand up on its own without a body inside of it because there's so much starch in there. And like <laughs> yeah. it was high and tights. And like nowadays you you see a dude with the high and tight and you're like, that, mo that dude's corny, man. And, uh, you know, like and these dudes have relaxed grooming standards now and they like like they look and play the part in there. They are exceptional at what they do. I used to see them at J Battle. I'm sure you did when, when you yep. were flying out of there. We call it the dark side, uh the other side of the airfield. We just yes. say the dark side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you see them. We, we, all we don't the talk time. about happens on that side of the airfield. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but it's right. it's an interesting observation because they started, you know, pre pre nine eleven, they were they were like a supporting special operations mm -hmm. force. You know, they, they were there for the other, you know, the other units and they were, they were very good at what they did, but they, it wasn't until like, I don't know, maybe two, three years into the war on terror. They just like, they became the lead yeah, force, yeah. you know? No idea. Like I was in my own and like, 
they just they were the thing they were it I'm yeah. like they were the natural progression to to taking a long walk and being a d-boy and it was yeah. it was like those dudes are are straight stone cold killers man and that's it's incredible to watch them speaking of stone cold killers i think uh, the audience doesn't need to be misdirected by your your demeanor and your easy goingness because ronnie morgan is a stone cold killer <laughs> <laughs> I, so i do what i can for <laughs> it's like the soft-spoken laid-back NCO I ever came across and then when the shit gets real it's like this dude's towing the fucking line and just laying waste so. yeah yeah I I um I mean I I guess my demeanor um kind of strikes people weird or whatever and like you should like you should see my company now my drills are like so I'm a, a company first sergeant at Jackson like no I just have these drills and they're like don't you ever get mad and I'm like uh I mean, what what's it going to change? You yeah. know what I mean? Getting mad at a bunch of eighteen year olds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially that. Yeah, like remember, like weeks ago, these dudes were giving you your burger through the drive through window or whatever. It yeah, is. Like, they're gonna they're gonna uh, mess up, man. Like, what's to get mad about? And they're like, well, how come you don't yell at us? Or like, because you're not, you're just doing what you're what you're supposed to do. And my job isn't to like try to correct you or call you out in public, like. If you do something wrong, we we have a conversation real quick, and nothing needs to be said about it more than that. Um, Plus, it's your drill sergeant's job to terrorize them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's but your V6s that they're the ones that need to be, you know, yeah, absolutely. In but I like, you know, those first tours, I was, who was it going to change? It's not going to change anything. So I just, you know, I, I accepted things kind of the way that they were and helped shape the future instead of like focusing on the past. So. Yeah. I've always just been real calm about things. I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, as yeah. a as a as a, sol- as a junior soldier to you, you know, at a time where we served together, I appreciated that about you. And as I progressed and I became a leader myself, I I appreciate that approach to leadership yeah. because I mean, you're absolutely right. You know, it does no good to to yell at the guy or or to lose your cool or be an asshole. You know, all, now all you are is an asshole to him. He hasn't learned anything. So I I appreciate that, and I wish more leaders took that approach. Yeah, my my um. My whole perspective was always just, I've never forgotten what it was like to to be an E1 or an E2 or an E3 or E4, like digging like foxholes, uh, yeah. you know, scraping out ranger graves, uh, having to hump shit all over the place, having to clean things. Like mm-hmm. I, I've just never forgot what that was like. And I tried to maintain that and uh, just wanted to try to do the best. I just wanted people to know that. I wasn't ever concerned about me. I was more concerned about like the people that I was supposed to be taking care of because America entrusted me with their their sons and daughters. Well, their daughters now, but their sons at the time. Yeah. You know, and like I felt that responsibility. Like it was mine, and I I tried to own it the best that I could. That's good, man. I mean, it's really encouraging for me being like the 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 jaded and bittered. Uh, E- crusty e4 is always <laughs> at the core of who uh who my soldier life was and i just i fucking hated it so much because i got treated like an idiot all the time yeah, you know, yeah. i'm yeah. not an idiot you know i'm a fairly no. intelligent guy so it's a it's encouraging to see dudes who take that approach but stay in right. and are willing to deal with the bullshit of being in the army in order to better better, better boister yeah. what's going on inside the army so oh, oh, i've known much respect i've known great people man and like I, it pains yeah. me every time as they're walking out the door sir or but like 
you know, I know this sucks right now, man, but the army needs you. We need you. Or otherwise, we're not going to survive the next war. And just mm. no matter what, like, yeah, you know, nobody I mean, wants I, to put up with that shit and they leave. Yeah. I always say that uh, some of the some of the best people I've ever <clears throat> met in my life were in the ranks of the infantry. Yeah. Some of the worst people I've ever met in my life <laughs> were in the ranks of the infantry. Oh, yeah, you absolutely. don't really get like mediocre a lot. No, you know, no. you just, it's either exceptional or a complete piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. We, we talk about it all the time at work. We're like, like there's, there's two people in the infantry. You're either like the genius who created the light bulb. Yeah. Or you're the idiot who sits in the corner eating light bulbs. Like it, it's it's one or the other. You're, there's really it not, really is. Yeah. There's really not really some guy is. who is like, oh, I did trig in high school, but you know, I I didn't get past that or or whatever. It yeah. Was. Like, well, what's interesting really about is. that is like, there's a there's a very heavy career incentive to a lot of people to join the the infantry. So it's like that's your path to ranger regiment or to special mm-hmm. forces. Or mm-hmm. if you're an officer, that's that is your straight line to general, man. If oh, you're yeah. an infantryman, like that that freaking CIB or an EIB on your chest, man, you're good. Get a ranger tab too, you're set. Oh yeah. Uh, in the other MOSs, it's not quite. I mean, it's an it's an exception to make general yeah. if you're like a aviation mm-hmm. you know officer or a field artillery officer. Like yeah. it's a, it's an accomplishment. You're expected to make it if you go that route as an infantryman. So. You see a lot of very, very motivated, very highly intelligent people in the infantry because they're they're very goal oriented. Yeah. They they see it as a means to an end, or they just love the idea of going out and killing people, which I'm totally on board with as well. Yeah, dude, I was a <laughs> I was a pathfinder at Campbell. I had a guy who had two master's degrees. One of them was in rocket engineering. He was a legit rocket scientist, scientist. for NASA. Yeah. Like <laughs> no he quit NASA yeah. to join the army. And was just some mm. some dumb infantryman like in the like he's an E four and I was like I wanted to slap him be like how can you be so smart and be so stupid <laughs> and like you have two master's degrees like you're a, you're a yeah. fucking rocket scientist and like what are you doing here like you don't I mean, belong our very here. own Stuart Nancy Helser showed up with a master's degree in political science yeah right but and he went enlisted yeah you know? yeah now like every every officer in the army they, they have there's four degrees that every officer in the army has they're either poli sci psychology. <laughs> Military, engineering uh, military history or education those are the only education four. yeah all four need to get some more communications majors yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true yeah yeah, yeah. and then sort of yeah and, it, an and awesome it turns dude. out he's exceptional funny people guy. too yeah i mean he, he's he's now a um he's a now a diplomatic uh service guy for the state department yeah, state department and he's got yeah, a freaking I, law degree he's a lawyer he's got a law degree yeah, i heard his uh yeah. i heard his thing and i like could like see that stupid grin on his face the whole time <laughs> as i was listening to it i didn't know that there was youtube uh videos at the time like oh, technology's gotcha. not my thing and i don't youtube uh, i don't do any of these things i just i imagine that there's maybe there's a video but like in my head i could see like 2012 nints and that stupid like smile and like all the time and, like yeah. it's all over that episode really, yeah dude that's, I, a, that's one of my favorite yeah. episodes nints was always yeah, one was of my favorites episode. he wasn't even in my platoon but he was just a funny like he was somebody who bought levity to a situation and it was good oh yeah, yeah. definitely levity is the right word for nints and his presence and another exceptional nco who like you know didn't come to it trying to overcompensate and yeah. be a ball buster it reeks yeah. of insecurity when people are like that, you know. How do you deal yeah. with that as a first sergeant? Like, do you check dudes when they try to, you know, 
try to fucking nut up and be no, all but I, hardy. Like we have conversations and I'm like, bro, like, you know, I, I try to have one-on-one conversations with people. I'm like, um, you know, but everybody has to figure out their own, their own way. I mean, I, I would venture yeah. to say that you could go back and there's probably people who would be like, Sergeant Morgan is not one to, to trifle with or that dude's an asshole. Um, like there, there are people that I, I have hammered, um, but I, I've done for different reasons, not off a GP. I, I did as a, you know, as a Sergeant First Class, I did it for a little while, but that was to bring my platoon together and not, not to mm-hmm. prove a point or anything like that. Like there was nothing I needed to prove. I, I just, um, I needed to help bring them together. And so like, mm-hmm. That was one of the the times I would institute like mass punishment, um, you know, like somebody somebody fucks up, uh, like everybody paid the price for it, and like those dudes were, uh, like they were the cream of the crop, and you could ask, um, you know, like Colonel uh, Colonel Kearney now. Um, so if you've seen like, um, uh, what's that movie? Restrepo, the right? Corngo- Restrepo, yeah, 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 I, yeah. I met. I met captain. captain Dan Kearney. Yeah. Then, mm-hmm. um, and then later on, um, after the movie, he's like, when he used to talk shit to people, he'd be like, I'm in two movies, motherfucker. What did you've done with your life? Like, <laughs> God. <laughs> um, um, uh, like later on, you know, as Lieutenant Colonel Kearney, I think he's Colonel Kearney now. Um, I have the, one of the best fortunes of my life to be a platoon sergeant in his battalion and um Hmm. like my platoon absolutely dominated the landscape and that's that's where we found ourselves in in uh in moment in in 2017. oh so he he was the battalion commander on the ground in 2017. he was interesting exceptional i had no idea exceptional um leader like somebody who actually cared for uh like the paratroopers yeah and not not just like He'll tell you all the time. He's like, I don't give a fuck if I'm a general. Like, I don't expect to be a general, you know, and his dad's general Kearney. Um, but like, absolutely was, was one hell of a leader is one hell of a leader to this day. I think if you come out in the back end of, of the Korangal and that whole period of time, you got to, you got to learn a couple things. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. You know, that, that's, that's actually a really good segue. Right. We wanted to kind of walk a little bit through uh, your your previous deployments um, just to kind of give a little bit of context against the Panjway deployment because you're one of the very few people that can provide a real on-the-ground, gritty infantry, you know, not necessarily like comparison, but just kind of place, you know, Panjway, you know, in, a, in, a, in its own box because yeah. you've experienced combat in a lot of different areas of Afghanistan right. and Iraq. Right, right. Um so your your first deployment was just after the initial invasion of Afghanistan? Yeah, so I I um I was in the twenty fifth, um I was in third brigade and we flew into Bagram and then my platoon was detached uh to go to Kabul to guard a, a safe house. Um, pretty sure it was like a CIA safe house, um, something to that. Like there was a, <clears throat> those were, you know, in the pre-interview, there was a guy, you know, there in, in uh, he had a, a DCU top on, but with the Ranger scroll from Vietnam, like alert patch as a combat patch. Dude. And like, 
the guy had like the look and you knew yeah. like he wasn't one to be fucked with and i was like holy fu-. like in my in my world like i just immediately like freaked out and started fangirling like and like all i want to do is go talk to this guy <laughs> you know like yeah. i could give a shit about uh you know lebron james or mariah carey or like to me like this guy is like a superstar i'm like um like and i just all i wanted to do is was geek out so from Kabul, my battalion was fighting down in Bos and uh ghazni mm. um i left Kabul. we left Kabul and uh ended up in Tarankout. uh so we were down That's in tk drive. <clears throat> yeah well we flew we flew oh, okay uh, okay <laughs> so we found our way back to bagram flew out of bagram into tk okay and at the time like it was just a little dirt strip um i'm not sure what it looks like now it's been a while it's since not I've much more to be completely honest it's, it's yeah, a paved it all... strip now but there's not much infrastructure yeah in and it was Cal. all they like never built moon dust and like mm-hmm. that really fine like yeah. chalk powder like yeah. when you step on it it just goes Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so from TK, we we got told that we're gonna push way out into the Aruzgan and uh, mm-hmm. and go set up a company cop. And like, fuck, it was nuts, dude. Like, there's bombed out Russian tanks and like APCs, and like you could see history. Yeah. And like, for for us we're like holy fuck like this this truly is the graveyard of empires but yeah to the right to the to the afghans there it's just tuesday you <laughs> yeah. know what i mean and like right. uh <clears throat> um you know we drove and uh, it seems like it took forever it must have been days i have no idea but like by the time we got there like one of the humvees was was already broken down and like we're tow barring it in then like you know we're in lmtvs also so like the way we did it was um we put two rows of mres down the center and we just sat back to back facing out um and that was that was how we pulled security in this thing like no no like sandbags lined with you know things like I, I don't even remember IEDs being a that big of a thing or getting like yeah. a threat brief about it uh, we were we were concerned about mines because at the time like yeah Afghanistan was the most mined country in the world them and Yugoslavia were like having at it um, yeah but you know we went out and must have seen like days and you know we we set up a place called Cobra Base and like we're just out there and you know uh, one night, like it was like a switch. It got kind of turned on, and we were like, "Okay, this shit's real." Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we fought there for. And then between that, uh, we also had the responsibility. The company had the responsibility of pushing a platoon over to Dayrawood, um, DRW. I think it's called Fab Tykes, like T Y C Z or someone mm-hmm. fought tykes um I, I think it was named after sf dude who was killed and to support uh the oda that was out there um so that was a rotation that happened in our company i think we went we went once so i'm sure the rotation was a while but spent my the rest of that tour out there out in the out in the uh the Aruzgan fighting fighting what was the i mean what was <clears throat> the fighting like back then like was there a noticeable difference over the years so, or was it just kind of 
Uh, I, yeah, I've heard you guys talk about, so, uh, you know, again, like, you know, my disclaimer, like, I don't have Instagram or, or Facebook or anything like that. So I, I really didn't know, like, you know, this was a thing. But, you know, I got told about it and I, I started listening to it. And I, I heard, like, your, your guys talking about the disparity between, you know, Afghan and, and American forces and how we, you know, I, and guilty of it as well, like, didn't really, you know, uh, engage with them that much and like didn't really know them and I honestly didn't care for them um one way or the other like um but you know that tour like we knew those dudes man like um you know we talked to them all the they ate in our defect uh, mm. i say our defect but what i mean was there was an an empty clot and we told the people to get out and we'll rent it from them and then we built extra mud walls and placed connexes around place. So we built a cop from nothing um, out there. And people like have no idea what that was like. Um, mm -hmm. But we knew those dudes and there was two, uh, two Marines embedded with them. At the time we were, they were called ETTs, the embed, the embedded uh, training team. Training team. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so there was two Marines with them. One was a first sergeant and one was, I'm pretty sure like a staff sergeant or something like that. But we knew those dudes and those people. And like, they were all like ANASF and they were all dudes who like, uh, like every single one of them, like despised the Taliban. Every single one of them was absolutely fearsome. Every single one of them like would, was fighting and dying yeah. for their country. Like they'd all been shot, stabbed, like blown up with grenades or whatever. Um, but, um, you know, like what my, year was that? Oh, uh, four, oh, four okay. there. Yeah. So, um, you know, like my first firefight, you know, I was on guard with my, I was on guard with my, uh, squad leader, uh, Staff Sergeant Jeffrey Elgo at the time, uh, first Sergeant Elgo, I think or Sergeant Major Elgo. I'm not sure if he's in the Academy or not. Um, and like he looks up and he looks at the moon and he's like, that's a nasty moon. No sooner had he said it, man, when like RPG came flying in and then there was just tracers in the fucking sky. And I was like, holy shit, like these dudes got some balls, balls, man. Um, like it was like everything that they had was thrown at us. Um, that was the first time I saw somebody get shot. So I was on guard and like starting, uh, staff starting to young. Uh, I think he's on in the Indiana National Guard now. Um, he got shot in the butt, directly in the butt tucks. <laughs> and, uh, and like, we're like, holy shit, man. And like, I'm like low crawling. I was an RTO at the time. So I grabbed my radio and Z'd out. Like, I'm like filling it with the ANCD, no SKLs, with the ANCD and <laughs> at night, like undercover through memory. Um, and like I had one of the only working radios out there, and uh, like I ran around through the through the outside of the compound, because uh, all there was was a wall. There was nothing else, just a wall. There was no buildings, no nothing. Ran out, and um, like I found uh, my best friend in the world, man, uh, Chris Cleveland, and like we're just two idiots, and I'm like hopping from position to position. Oh, Chris, Chris, and then he's like, I'm over here, Mo. And he stood up and we're just two idiots, man. And we hugged each other. And I was like, I love you, Chris. And he's like, I love you too, Mo. And then like, we're like, okay, that's time to go to work. And then, <laughs> you know, we fought through the, through the night. And then we were like chasing and looking for people till the sun came up. 
And uh, the medevacs didn't want to come get us because they said it was too hot. No, they didn't want to come get our wounded. I think it was an Air Force PJ that came to came to get us. And it was like three hours later. Um, and like, uh, you know, it was, it was whatever, man. I mean, it was just a, a firefight. But they, they'd been telling us for days, like, the Taliban's coming to hit you. And we're like, okay. Because we've been hearing this for like months. Like, no, no, the Taliban's coming. And they they tried to tell us. They were like, no, the Taliban's coming. And we're like, oh, oh, okay, sure. Yeah. Sure, guy. <laughs> sure enough, yeah, they came. And then they mm. they just kind of didn't stop from there. But it wasn't. This would have been kind of like the resurgence of the <clears throat> Taliban in 2004. Yeah. This is when they were just starting to make yep. their comeback. Coming out, yeah, coming out of hiding and like making their 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 way back. And then we were in the Ruzgan, which is a, a Taliban stronghold. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very like, high desert like some places you could get mountainous some places not as as high like mm-hmm. almost permanently snow-capped mountains so we're like at the the foothills of the hindu kush but like you know when you're getting rocketed uh, at cobra base like it's 99 meters by like some like when the rockets are flying in you know <laughs> you know yeah. where they're coming they're coming here right and we again we didn't have anything we just had to put on our vest and go hug a piece of the wall and wait and see if we were going to get hit or not no like it wasn't it wasn't anything like as up close and personal like as it was in in the panjway like the panjway like they're like right there yeah and then uh you know uh i went to iraq and i fought in baghdad I fought in uh, Automea and Sadr City. And, um, I was in 4ID along with the 101st there. And, um, you know, it's just, it's urban. And it's urban warfare. And, like, <clears throat> now IEDs are, like, a really big thing. And, like, that was how all of our, all of our people um, were getting hit. Not, not really small arms or anything like that. It was, nobody would really stand and fight with us at the time. Um, really? And which is kind of... If you've ever like walked down the streets in like Adame or Sadr City, you could be in the alleyways and like you'll see you're surrounded by high rises and stuff. And you can see how like you get how, you know, uh, like when they decided to have those uprisings there, like how an American platoon or whoever could could come into some serious trouble because there's nowhere you could go. There's nothing you could do but be surrounded. It, I think of the movie uh, The Kingdom, you know, Jamie Foxx. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, That end scene, like, very much like that. Like, you could run into trouble very quickly there. And, you know, we our brads could only go, you know, so many places. And yeah. then uh, the Humvee is almost useless against most of the IEDs. So. Right. So that was your first exposure to the, the mechanized world then? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Iraq. Yeah, my my first time getting in the uh, the Bradley was in in Kuwait. And, uh, it was miserable. It's 150 <laughs> degrees in a turret, like in the heat of summer. Uh, I I'd never been in a Bradley, and I wasn't sure if I was going to be in the army, you know, for much longer. I just I did my first tour, uh, like those firefights and everything. I was uh, I was absolutely addicted to war. Um, like it. I just, uh, it was the, the one place where I ever felt normal. Um, and like when I would come back to the States, I just did not feel right. Mm. 
I wasn't necessarily nervous or like twitchy a lot. Like I just, I don't sleep, you know, I'll just drink all fucking day. Um, and I just didn't feel right back in the States, but you know, in theater, this is me, man. Like I'm, yeah. I'm comfortable. Like I feel right. Like my weapon, she's always named Matilda. Like Matilda is right there, you know, minus Iraq, dude. Like uh, I was in a combined arms battalion, like we were in 164. Mm -hmm. Except for the uh, the BC was a tanker. No, he took all the M4s from the infantry and gave them to the tankers and then gave all of us M16s. So what? I was walking down the streets of Baghdad with the, an M16 the M16. with a 203 <laughs> attached to the like commando, like predator, you know, and like... That's terrible. There was nothing we could do, man. That was my, that was my weapon of choice. She was not Matilda. <laughs> No, no, she, she no. didn't earn that name. No, she did not. <laughs> Her name was like Bertha or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was. <laughs> she's. I was ashamed to take her home to my family, but you know she'll do it like two in the morning or something like that. You know? <laughs> yeah, you weren't going to write home to mama about. Yeah, Bertha, yeah, right, exactly. But you'd, but you'd hog out in the streets of Baghdad. Right? Yeah, man. I'm yeah. Like, this yeah. Is giant. I mean, and you know, I'm not an overly big person. I'm, you know, I'm five nine. Uh, I'm like this thing. I felt like this thing was proportionate to me was ridiculous like it was just stupid so um you know and then I, but you I volunteered for that deployment essentially didn't you, you yeah absolutely you forced so. yourself into that situation yeah at the at the time like the uh the patch chart was written in the the army times and like everybody used to get the army times you go to the shop out like you're getting some snacks and the army time like everybody used to get it and you could just kind of see who was deploying and when i came back i, I re-enlisted um, so I could, I could get there. No, you know, she was like, uh, the, the recruiter or the reenlistment lady, she's the only female in our battalion, two, five infantry bobcats. We on the night. Um, she's the only female in, in the battalion. She was like, well, I can't guarantee you for ID. All I could do is get you to Fort hood. And I was like, do that. Mm. Sure. Shit, man. I, I was on orders to first calf. So at the time, this was before Brack. Um, it was four ID and first calf that were that were there at Fort Hood. Third ACR was at Carson with a brigade from four ID. Right. And um I I I made a nuisance of myself and marched into people's uh buildings and places of business where I had no business being and demanded <laughs> that they <laughs> that they they put me in four ID so that I could I could uh I just, I love get the on this idea it's like cocksure e4 you're an e4 right e4 yeah yeah, yeah yeah i just i love the idea it's like cocksure e4 just like kicking in a door of an office of some star major just being like laying on the table <laughs> yeah. like here's what's yeah. gonna happen bro. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. and they're like they're like uh who the fuck do you think you are you know what i mean and i'm like do you see this this line in the sand dragon behind me as i walk that's who i am that's who, that's who I am. My, uh, no, oh, man. I um that's again like I was addicted to it, and like I knew my purpose. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like people people go their whole life struggling to find that purpose. I knew it. Mm -hmm. yeah. That was what I wanted. Like um, I felt Can you comfortable. Identify a moment where you feel like you found that purpose, or was it kind of a gradual awareness? I, it was you? gradual. I think I just um I. I didn't get scared. It didn't really scare me. Uh, and that's not because I'm stupid or I didn't understand the gravity of the situation or anything like that. I just, 
felt con I think uh, I probably have convinced myself over years of being a child and just like reading. I mean, I read that books by the thousands, you know, of these people from Vietnam and like I figure, you know, if they could do it, I could do it. No. And then the way I reasoned it when I got to Hood and I was talking to that Sergeant Major was like, you know, do you want somebody who hasn't done this before, doesn't want to go, doesn't know what they're doing and is going to get somebody killed? Or do you want somebody who's been there, understands what they're doing, wants to go, and is going to do his best to bring everybody home alive? Like, right. And uh, yeah, sure enough, uh, my, they changed, they amended my orders from first cap to four ID. And uh, six, seven months after uh, being home in the States, I found myself back in back in combat in Iraq. Iraq. Um, yep. <clears throat> Iraq was Iraq. And, you know, at the time, like we were in Afghanistan um, during my first tour, like Iraq was all the rage. It was what all the cool kids were doing. Like, right. It was where all the pretty girls went to go dance. Nah. <laughs> you know, us in Afghanistan, we're like, you know, right, I was so children. far in front. Yeah, I was so far in the front. Like, you know, I was in a village and kids asked me, or the people asked me if I was from Japan. You know, right. I'm, I'm like in a place we have no food, no water. There was times where were you know we were limited to we were rationed to two bottles of water a day because we just didn't have any water and like we couldn't get resupplied nobody nobody could get out to us and we were kind of out there because like you know we were stuck there Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. to get resupplied you know cds bundles would come from c-130s you know like Mm -hmm. c-130s would have to fly over our cop bank and then just start pushing and then we'd have to race against the locals to to get to our to own kick supplies your shit. <laughs> yeah <clears throat> wow. legit man like the, the locals would see it and they would be on their mopeds and as soon as the parachute started opening and you know if it was a bad drop you know by the time we got to the far end of the bundles like those dudes had already pillaged like all Ran the they yeah, they they rat fucked everything man and uh hmm. you know like, hmm. there yeah, I feel really like there's, there's an apocalypse now in like the early years of Afghanistan, when Iraq was getting all the attention, there's like oh, there's, yeah. there's a there's a modern masterpiece of, that needs to be made about what was going on out there. Oh yeah, and, and like mm. you know, I would read about dudes who did a tour in Vietnam in like '66, and then they would go back in '68 and be like, "Oh my God, how has it changed so much?" Mm-hmm. And then like by '71, they're like, "I don't even recognize this country." And I I lived that man. It was it was yeah. nuts to process that, but I lived that, and I. You know, I watched Afghanistan or Bagram and I'd be like, dude, this place is going to be awesome. And like, it's got this, this and this. And they're like, what kind of war is this? And I'm like, yeah, I know. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, and then uh, war as hell. can't fight a war with that KFC. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. Right? And then, yeah. Uh, you know, by like, you know, 2017, you know, I was on my last tour, you know, I'm like, I was going down to Kandahar with my commander to do something. I don't, I don't think I took my platoon. No, I was going for something. And like, uh, oh, to go meet the SAR major. Because um, I was a first sergeant. And I went with my, I went to go uh, down to Kandahar uh, to go meet the SAR major. And like, I was pumped, dude. Because I'm like, dude, Kandahar boardwalk is awesome. And it just devastated <laughs> me to find it just closed down. And like, all it was was the <laughs> coffee shop. And, like, and they had opened was, some stuff back it. up too by the time you got there. It was worse when I was there, like six months before that. Yeah. 
Like it was just Nathan's hot dog and the smoothie shop. That was yeah, it. Like this is this is broke my heart, man. I was, and I watched it yeah, transform just like dudes I read about in Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I came. I went to Iraq. Came back. Again, like the patch chart had it. Said the hundred first was gone. Reenlisted for the hundred first, man. Seven months back later, found myself back in Afghanistan. Yeah. Uh-huh. So this would have been what two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand eight. Yeah. That's the uh, that, that's one of the roughest times in the history yeah. of combat Afghanistan. Yeah, man. For sure. Found myself uh, in JBAD. Um, you know, with the with the uh, Pathfinder detachment. Um, you know, we had no we had no officers. Um, we had a first sergeant, uh, wow. sergeant first class, mm-hmm. two two staff sergeants um and you know we we're not bso's so uh for those like battle space owners so we're not a bso and then because we're in the pathfinders we're organic to an inf- to i'm sorry an aviation right unit so uh. they they don't own any battle space Mm-mm. so the way we had to like shop ourselves was we would hop around from cop to cop and you give a a cape brief a capabilities brief like this is what i can do to like help you out um you know anything from sniper operations to recon and surveillance um sling load operations kazavac medevac operations like whatever it is that you know we can we can uh, uh support your assaults or conduct the, the assaults ourselves like we can fast rope insert um we do uh, like I was also a fries and spies master there. Um, like we can do whatever it is that you need, and like a lot of people would, uh, you know, a lot of the commanders there because they're at like company and platoon size cops. You know, they were like, "Nah, man, like, fuck off! Like I can do this myself." And like, no, 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 I'm, we're not trying to to take your glory or anything like that. I I understand that you're capable. We're just trying to help. Like trying we're to just trying to find reprieve. a job. <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, we're just trying to provide a reprieve for your guys, man. Like, you know, we're here to help. We're on the same team, like Team America. Remember? Like, yeah. Uh, but I'm surprised know, the aviation unit didn't try to retain you as like a dart because that's what we did to well, our pathfinders. I did. Oh, okay. <clears throat> I did. We 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 rescued. We recovered. Uh, I mean, I can't tell you how many UH-60s. Uh, like three or four CH-47s, uh, a couple OH-58s, a Jalen's, Jalen's broke loose. We had to fast rope on top of a, on top of a mountain and recovered this like two or three or $4 million camera that was in that stupid thing. Um, an MI-8. So, you know, one of their, mm. one of their hips. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. So we did, we did that as well. Yeah. Uh, okay. You know, but we're also like, a very small high speed like detachment that was i mean extremely capable some of the most capable people i've ever worked with um and just trying to find our way and, and help and like in the n2kl it's like mountaintop to mountaintop like it's it's hundreds of meters away it's high like when you're inserting into the battle space like you know uh the 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 blackhawk can only fit like six or seven combat loaded paratroopers in there and it can only go as high as nine thousand feet and then there's certain passes where they're just like i can't get over this mountain like i'm gonna have to either land here or we're gonna have to find a different way and you know you get a out at like nine thousand feet 
you can't breathe. Like some of these mountains we're humping up, like, uh, you know, with three points of contact, it's like so steep, it's feet and a hand and just one hand on the weapon as you're trying to climb up it. I tell you, man, like 9,000 feet, like 10,000 is like the magic number. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, and I never did it in Afghanistan, but like in Colorado, just going for a fucking hike. And, you know, when we lived out there and you get to 10,000 and there's something about hitting that mark where the oxygen just dissipates so much more. Yeah. I couldn't imagine humping like oh, you know, 115, 130 pounds of shit. Miserable. And at 10 or 12,000 feet, like that'd be misery, man. Uh, like you wouldn't believe. And the thing was, is like the Afghans would just go zipping up and down and like we're like (laughs) man and we're like and like you know we'd be pulling security and shit and like the morning like the day would break so like operation mountain highway one or two or three or whatever like you know like you know the day would break and you turn around and like how the fuck did these afghans get inside of our perimeter like who's pulling security over there because i know he didn't walk by me and like we're already you know compromise like right off the bat and i'm like i i I don't know what platoon i'm attached to right now but whoever they are this is a no bueno situation right now yeah um like easily could have been shot in the back or whatever it was but yeah i mean um you know rc fighting on that 08 deployment not not for me um because again like we weren't battle space owners so what would happen is we would act as a qrf for people so like we're not like while we not was happening, we inserted. Um, so like those who don't know the battle of Winnat, um, I think that was late July or August of '08, um, and Sounds that was right. um, you know they the last nine dudes that that day. Now we like when we inserted, uh, like there's a uh, burned down Humvees all over. Like the Humvees are burnt to just bare metal. Um, like, you know, um, the AC-130, uh, AC-130 was flying in daylight and the Apaches and AC-130s flew cover for us all night, firing all night, like all night. Um, they were trying to get the LRAS up because a lot of those dudes who got killed were manning the machine gun where the LRAS was at. Um, and the LRAS, I'm not sure what it stands for because it's a Cav Scout, um, what, a uh, Cav Scout, uh, device that's like a thermal imaging but it's mm-hmm. giant um mm-hmm. they kind of use it to to peek around through the night um um like it had been man there's a 240 there and like that 240 was just laying it down and so every time every time um you know it, w- it would do its business um the guy would get shot and they do a dead gunner drill the gun would go cold for a little while do a dead gunner drill and then get that thing back up and then somebody would man it and then he would get killed. Um, so, it was, you know, it was being effective on the battlefield mm-hmm. and the Taliban took, you know, took exception to it. So mm-hmm. they made it a point to quiet that thing down. There's only like 42, 42 of us out there. It was really small against 250 or something like that. Jesus Christ. And then, you know, the next day, um, all these of course, all the special ops dudes got to come and get some. So, uh, <laughs> I think the SEALs inserted two teams, and then uh, ODA inserted a, a couple teams, and they just went out out to the distance, like trying to look. 
but we stayed with them for those those couple of days until they moved out afterwards wow. but i mean uh, really rough time for the 173rd man i'll, I'll give it to him and like sir major viamoto you know he he had um his son was killed in that deployment um i'll give it to him they were some those were probably some of the hardest fighting bastards i i've ever seen and i'll give it to him every day of the week um a good friend of mine uh was one of my instructor pilots on that 2017 deployment he was an infantryman and infantryman at Wanan. He was yeah. wounded at Wanan, and it shaped mm-hmm. his entire his entire approach to combat going forward. Yeah, it was, I mean that was a that was a brutal fight, man. Like those, I mean, it doesn't happen like that every day. Like those are those are the exceptions, not like not like the the how much combat, but just how intense those one yeah. particular because they had been in another one too. I, and I think it was that same platoon. Um, because it was just a platoon there with attachments right. and stuff like that. Um, like the bunny, not the bunny ranch. That's a, that's a whorehouse in Vegas, right? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. The ranch house. Yeah. 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 The oh, ranch yeah, house. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Cause like they that. lost a platoon sergeant during that <clears throat> yeah, engagement. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. But like Keating, all of those places, like I've been all of those places. And I'm like, that was, that. I mean, that's Afghanistan to me. Yeah. Um, you know, there were, there were a lot of really bad decisions made in that like 2005 to 2008 time frame where they were putting some of those cops just like, yeah. it's like some general just said, I don't care how you do it. I want a cop on that road. Yeah. I want a cop in that valley and I want it by the end of the week. And they're like, I guess we just put it at the bottom because you didn't give us enough time to do a proper like job of scouting or I don't know what the excuse was, but it was you know, Keating overrun. Yeah, that, that was Keating right there. Yeah, for the, like, yeah. the because the PRT was like that was a big push, mm-hmm. you know, back then. And so like the PRT is gonna succeed no matter what, um, no matter. They have what to be was, on this road in order mm-hmm. to succeed, and that was that was it. No was matter what fight. was mm-hmm. multiple people's lives, multiple yeah. American soldier lives. Mm-hmm. Not to mention the numbers of wounded or you know severely traumatized or the afghans that are killed as a yeah. result of that i mean you know i mean it's war is war right i mean mm. you, you can't you certainly not going to stay up late at night worrying about that but you know nine dead americans means how many dead afghans in yeah. a firefight like that mm-hmm. yeah, Man. two or three times as many oh, easily considerably more like yeah. that like that was a that was a force of 250 like they they merged together across the border because we were I mean, we were up in the mountains. We were like right there, um, yeah, across the border, and just came and rained hell. Um, yeah, you know. So that was 08. Run us mm-hmm. to the next one, man. Uh, ten and Kalat. Um, but I'd also gotten hurt, and uh, I was fast roping. Um, I'd also gotten hurt, um, and you know. It's, was having surgery no i was supposed to get kicked out of the kicked out of the army for it um you know but i convinced the doctor to take pity on a on a poor soul and kind of like <laughs> shuffle my paperwork around and they allowed me to i i told him like look sir like you know if you just this is right before everything went digital in the army it's like you just write me a permanent profile and like, if I have any issues, like, feel free to, to kick me out. 
Mm. You know, I, I walked that whole tour with my foot like canted in and um like and that was how i like if you ever walk through the mountains or anything like that like it's stupid so don't don't do that like take care of yourself please yeah Um, you only get one body right yeah right yeah well i I didn't know that i have uh i have a fomo of war no i yeah i just um I couldn't miss anything. No, I just needed to be there. No, goes. I was heart, I was devastated uh, when I came back, and I was on orders to Fort Stewart. Fort Stewart. No, you didn't I, think um, you were gonna go anywhere, did you? Fuck no, dude. No. Yeah, you know the, uh, that was like the big surprise. Yeah, so, trick. Yeah, I I got one. to Stewart and what i think september of 2011 oh, i'm like man. you're brand new as well yeah iraq wasn't there it's was done. nothing shaking in iraq and like mm-hmm. everybody knows if you're on third id that's yeah, iraq. you're, that's your you're only going to iraq like mm-hmm. there's no other mm-hmm. place for you to go you're going to iraq and I was like, there's nothing shaking in iraq and i was so broken hearted mm-hmm. now yeah dude, that's I, the way i felt coming back from iraq <laughs> just it, we didn't see any combat you know and yeah like i i knew it was done i was like well it's like i'm, I'm never gonna have that cib i'm never gonna get the experience like I, I was pretty disappointed that i didn't get to to do the thing that i joined the army to do jokes on me but. yeah I, but the thing is is like people think it's stupid or it's hubris or like mm-hmm. you know be careful what you wish for and it is all of those things but yeah ultimately like it's a test yes yeah and everybody just wants to test themselves. That's it. Like, mm-hmm. I, yeah. you just want to see how you're going to react. And that yeah. is like a natural God-given instinct. And that is just man at his most primal. Because yeah. I just want to see how I'm going to react. How am I going to... That's like a fight, you know? Like, mm-hmm. if you're scared to be in a fist fight, sure, that's, that's natural. But like, how am I going to react after I get socked in the face? Um, mm-hmm. Well, I always like likened it to like if you're like a professional athlete and all you ever do is practice. Yeah, yeah. You know, you just you go to practice for five years and you never play a game. Yeah. Like that's what it's like to be an that's what it's like to be an infantryman and never go to war. Like that's an exceptional. Of course you want to go and do your job. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I I don't know. It's it, it is weird to explain to people that yeah, I wanted to go to war. Like, why? It's like, cause that's what, I, that's the job I signed up for. It's not like I signed up to be like a signals tech or a, you know, whatever. I signed up to be a gunfighter and a gunfighter mm. needs to get into a gunfight, you know, um, in addition to the whole, I want to test myself and see what I'm made of. That's why we pick the infantry, right? Yeah. You know, we picked it cause like, yeah, I want the challenge. I want to go to war. I want to see what I'm made of. And then once you go through basic training and you go through NTC and all this shit, you're like, all right, well, let's let's go, let's let's do my job. I'm here to do a job. Yeah. How how fine of an edge are we gonna hone here? Like, can I uh, can we go do some before before I go too far? Um, right. Yeah. Right. I I loved it, man. I it was basic and it, like the rules are pretty simple. So yeah, like you either live or you don't. I'm like. Uh, you fuck up and you don't live. Right. Uh, you do something stupid, 
somebody somebody pays the price for it um everything was it seemed much more simplistic and uh like the rules are 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 set and whereas like you know back in the states um like life is complicated and there is no left and right boundary um it's asymmetric you know back here in the back in life in in normal life but like in combat it's pretty simple um and that i that's what i think i've always appreciated about it one of, one well, of i think things. that's one thing that a lot of guys when they get out that's that's i think that's part of the reason they struggle when they get out of the military is that the military especially in combat is extreme like you said it's extremely simple like you go and you do what you're told you walk if you get shot at you shoot back like you know as obviously as you move into more you know senior positions of rank and, and authority there's more to it um you know but for the most part if you're an infantryman you don't have to worry about the roe if you get shot at you shoot back you're gonna go for a walk all you have to do is be fit pay attention and make sure your gun works yeah. you know and then when you're done you're gonna go watch you know movies on the bunk with the boys or go to the gym and then you're gonna yeah. wake up and you're gonna do it all over again it's very simple it is. And life is not. No, no. <laughs> yeah. It's decidedly not. I'm like, you know, I, mm-hmm. maybe that's part of my problem too. Maybe I was just avoiding, you know, avoiding life also. I just, because, you know, I I was really fucked up, man, for a long time. I mean, it, you know, it, it took me until about 2015, 2016, where I just didn't want to kill myself every day. And like, that's, you know, it's hard to say, but I just, you know, it was, it was a lot to process, like, and then constantly, like, going and coming back and going and coming back and, like, in such short time, like, I didn't know how to be me anymore. I mean, it, it really took a long time for, like, me to smile or laugh or, you know, any of those things, because I just, I lost myself for a little while, you know, for a long time, Um mm-hmm. I struggled with life and I, you know, part of me was out here like trying to do dumb shit to get myself killed. Cause I, I don't, I didn't have the balls to kill myself. Um, whereas like I could go out there and like run, be a goddamn sorry Lord. I could, you know, I could be a, a maniac on the, on, in the fight and like worse comes to worse. You know, I got myself killed and like, and that's right. no big, it's no big deal. Um, you know, and my family gets paid and, you know, no big deal, man. Hey, give 20 grand to the boys so they can fucking throw a rager, uh, <laughs> to celebrate. Right. But other than that, like, um, you know, it's complicated. Yeah. Uh, man, war was a, simple a... and life, I, I was having a hard time with them. Yeah. And it's a point of observation, man. Like. And especially, I mean, I, I got there in 2012, but in like the last two, three months, you know, I, so it, you know, if, if that repeated exposure, you get to that point where you're just like, fuck it, you know, who cares? Like yeah. just fucking you, you. And it, it's the irony of that is it makes you a better, better fighter. Yeah. In a lot of <laughs> yeah. ways. Like it makes you a better killer, you know? Yeah. 
Because you just don't go. You, you're not worried about what happens if you stick your head up. You're going to stick your head up, see what's oh, yeah. up, and start lobbing rounds. You know, I'm right? telling you, I've done some dumb shit in my in my <laughs> in fights. Curtis in is, yeah. <laughs> a very specific story. <clears throat> I've done some very dumb stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. I you, you locked on to something very, very interesting. And I felt it myself before, which is, like, the, this idea of, like, an honorable death. You know, it's like, well, if I'm going to go out, I want to go out, like, fighting. I want to yeah. go out at war. I want to go out protecting somebody else. Um, I want to go out um, doing something that's going to bring my name honor. And it's not like you're trying to – it's not like this big Viking thing, which I know that's a whole big thing to a lot of people. But it's more like just – for me, personally – and this, this was me before my 2017 deployment. I mean, you can ask Luke. I was convinced I wasn't coming back. I even made, like, a video and everything. Like, I was pretty sure I wasn't coming back. Um, it was just this idea that the the greatest waste of life, personally, waste of my life would be to, to like die on my couch at seventy. Yeah, you know, I was so I was like, man, I'm thirty years old. This is it. I've lived thirty good years. I'm gonna go down like protecting some dude with a you know with my helicopter going down in flames. Like I was convinced, and I was okay with that. I was almost kind of looking forward to it. It was a kind of a dark time in my life too. Um, so that what you were saying very much resonates with me yeah. because, you know, that's when everything else is dark, at least you have that, at least you have that chance when you feel like your life is going nowhere, you can make something of it. And I think a lot of guys, when they get out, they've been robbed of that opportunity. They don't have that chance to die an honorable death. And I, you know, personally, I think that's a major contributor to this you know, the issue that we have with mental health and suicide. And oh yeah, man. Like I can't tell you how many of my friends that, you know, have, have and some of them like and to this day, like even my friends, like, you know, they're, they're really, really impacted by it. Like by people you wouldn't expect, man, like Sylvester mm-hmm. Cook, you know, he's a good friend. Uh, and like, he really, like when we found out about his death, then, you know, like my friend, uh, Chris, Chris Cleveland, you know, dude, I hugged in this fight. Like, yeah. He's like my brother. I call him my brother, Chris. Like he's really impacted by, by the death of Cookie, man. I'm like, it's hard. Now, mm-hmm. you know, I, so my son was born, and then you know, I couldn't. Now I have a reason to live, you know. I'm like, so my justification for, you know, the way I fight is like, wasn't nobody in this fucking world gonna tell my son that his daddy was a coward nobody with nobody um and they're like that dude was a fucking hellion i'm like yeah that's what i you know if i died that's what i want somebody to tell to tell my son it's like that dude was like he was it yeah i mean and that's an ethos that is just becoming background noise for our culture our society you know like we we won't lament but the the idea of like really knuckling down and kind of developing that mindset of being being able being capable of kind of being in that space working in that you know i mean that, that's that's something that's rapidly rapidly becoming uh no longer popular in the cultural milieu to an extent and yeah i'd imagine the army's really seeing that effect too like you don't yeah, I feel like the the army's not making soldiers anymore. They're not, well, they're making they're making soldiers, but they're not making killers. They ain't making know? warriors. I tell you that much. That's yeah. uh, you know, I, <clears throat> I you know, it's uh, 
we're gonna have to have an awakening. The country's gonna have to have an awakening to to recognize before the, before we recognize just what's happened to to culture in the military. I'm like, you know, well, I mean, we we've had this weird <clears throat> cultural shift. Where we're like, we want we want our our military to be professional, like it's a Fortune 500 company or these extremely well rounded, like very culturally aware people, and you know that's fine. But at the end of the day, ultimately, when you're talking infantry, soft, like a lot of these groups, your job is to kill people. Yeah. Like that is its own profession. Like professional doesn't mean the same as a guy working in an office. Professional means whatever your profession is, you are the best at it. Um, and I've always said, man, infantry, we need to be like feeding them steroids, making them work out 16 hours a day, like have a brothel on base and just let those dudes be killers because yeah. that is, uh, and I, I say that only half joking, yeah. but you know, we, if our, we want, I want the infantry to be this like bottle of soda that we've just like shaken for six years. And then the minute we have to let them out, we just pop it. And it's just an explosion of hatred and rage and murder. Um, you know, that's that's what it should be, um, yeah, and I we've agree. decided that we that's not what we want our military to be, and that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we can't even go to that. No, no, yeah, way too much to unpack there. But yeah, one hundred percent. I I feel you know, old older people like an older vet would would uh probably lose their shit pretty well if they had seen if they could see what was you know happening. Uh, it'd be shocking. Yeah, and and on the flip side, I think I think every generation has its moment where it surprises its older generations. You know, yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure that you know back in 2001, 2002, you know, the old guard was like, man, this, these young these, these bucks better, yeah, <laughs> young bucks better strap in because they ain't ready for what's gonna happen when I we go know, to man, Afghanistan. Because you know, like I, you know, I, again, like I was in I, I was in basic training when nine eleven happened. I'm Gosh, like, holy man. fuck, dude. And like, I got to a unit with uh, like pre 9 11 NCOs. And like, mm-hmm. we trained and trained. And like, you know, when the shooting started, like, it was like automatic. Like, I didn't even think about it, which mm-hmm. is, you know, that's the definition of a battle drill. It's like not mm-hmm. to think. No, I didn't even think about it. And like, I just automatically knew what needed to happen. And like, you know, I just let me and Matilda, we waltz, man. And like, <laughs> um, you know, I did. Let me tell you something. Let me, let me really quickly, and I don't care if this. Yeah, go for it. Let me tell you how stupid I I am, or how genius I thought I was once. Uh, <laughs> this is good. So, like, you know, I was in. You know, we were in a couple firefights and shit like that. And I'm like, you know, I'm really tired of my, of my weapon and my magazines being dirty all the time. You know, nah. So what I did was. I shucked all my my magazines and I cleaned them. I took them apart and everything like that. And then I cleaned them and I like oiled them down. And then I put them inside of Ziploc bags and then I put them in my rack. And then we oh. uh, we did a raid. <laughs> oh no! We did a raid, right? Um, and like they had just left, like seconds before, like the fire's still going, the tea's still steaming, the rice is still hot, like. As we were coming in the front door, they're going out the back door. And we're like, okay, so we, we did a quick search of the village, couldn't find anything. Like, we're getting in the, like, I climb up the LMTV, we're leaving, 
and then the cornfield just it just opens up and we're like fuck and like you know i'm jumping we're jumping off the lmtvs and stuff because again like remember we just put two boxes of mres down the side right yeah. And then we sit back to back and we face out and then we put water on the outside. So now we have food and water just in case. I'm like, blah, blah, blah. And a place to sit down. I'm like, you know, I jump down and I'm behind the tire and I'm like, bah, 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 bah. you know, and I, you know, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, like this is everything awesome. Like everything is right in the world. <laughs> right. And then I'm like, I drop my magazine and I go to change mags. Like I'm back behind the tire. Man, I got my magazine and this Ziploc bag coated in oil. Because I figured, you know, like, <laughs> the CLP would help the bullets, like, slide out better and everything. And, like, it's covered in fucking oil, dude. And, like, I can't grasp it to can't open it. The plastic, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't grasp it to open the Ziploc bag. And, like, I can't fucking tear it. And, like, uh, I got this empty fucking rifle in the middle of this firefight. Oh and I'm like, fuck. And then, uh. Dion Walker, we call him Nightwalker. He just fucking looks at me and kind of like gives a disapproving shaking of the head. And then he like throws me a magazine and I'm, like, and I'm back in the fight and I'm like, I got to fix my life when we get back to the cop because this is yeah. clearly this doesn't work, back. man. And like, oh, yeah, uh, man. yeah, dude, that's like, a great, that's what a great an war idiot. story right there. Yeah, no, that's a great uh, yeah. war story. Could have cost me my yeah. life. And like we were completely yeah. surrounded. I didn't know right. it at the time. I, I only was dealing with this threat. But right. there was there was the homies up in man jam black man jammies on the high ground. We were completely surrounded. I didn't know it. I'm like mm. shooting down and shit. And I, and I was like <laughs> And then, you know, to make things worse, like we were getting we were on our way back to the cop which who knows how long that it takes hours and shit. Like, yeah. I had taken off my helmet to like adjust myself or whatever it is. And like, as I was jumping down, you know, uh, my, my PL's flanking, like he's coming around and he's taking, so I'm running up and my platoon sergeant, you know, he's yelling at me. He's like, Tommy winners, Sergeant first class, Tommy winners. He's like, Morgan, are you trying to get your head blown off? You fucking dumbass! Get back here and put your helmet on. So I had to turn around and like run back to the truck and like put my eight my it was in an ACH at the time it was the old school Pax helmet. Oh, put my helmet wow. on. Yeah, right. It was awesome, dude. That's how awesome I am. <laughs> mm. I was wearing a Pax helmet. Nah, uh, like put my helmet on, and then like rump, dude. I was so fucking smoked, you know. And we're like flanking, and then like Ogo, who'd been, you know, we'd been there when the when when whoever. I was going to say something disparaging, but like when the enemy um, opened up on us and stuff, uh, like he puts his knee on the dirt berm and like he cracks off one shot, you know, like a movie. And he's like, who do you guys think you're shooting at? Huh? He's this little dude, like 100 pounds from Guam. And he's like, hey, like, who do you guys think you're shooting at? Bro? And I'm like, oh, my God. OK, I love let's, the infantry let's so much. This. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. But I was so smoked. <laughs> Like nobody tells you in combat oh, just how tired, how ruined, you how yeah. tired you can get once once that adrenaline dumps. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah, dude, you're, you're Superman for about fifteen minutes. Oh man, then, it's oh, fucking yeah. awesome, man. And you know we had it. just been talking shit. We were like me and my home, me and the homie Chris. We had just been talking shit before we were leaving to Xville. Like yeah, y'all motherfuckers don't want none. And uh, man, sure enough, it was 
was awesome. But, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there's a good uh, a good story from our deployment of well, the Battle of Route Brown. You guys got out. There oh, dude, I love the Battle of And you were duking it out. And um, me and the the British dude who ran the the Afghan security guys were out on that furthest. Uh, yeah, like the Hescos or something. Guard oh, post. Tower. It was like way yeah, it was past yeah. the Hescos. Yeah. It was like way out there on the, in the spur on on Sparrowingar, just you know shooting at everything that fucking moved in the in the tree line, and um, and he, you guys were humping your way back in, and you guys it's a long patrol. You've been smoked out anyways, and the dudes who were coming into the gate were just kind of like lobbing along, and this guy turns to me. He's, you Americans never get in a hurry, do you? <laughs> oh, shit. I mean, that, man. that was oh, that man. was like the third firefight of the day, and then like that thing wasn't like no small tick or not. Like that was a full on fuck, a, like full blown battle. Yeah, yeah, like we got like you know the Taliban commander was on the radio. They're like, the helicopters are coming, and I don't care keep shooting and we like look at each other we're like oh oh shit like okay <laughs> let's get it man nah. and to, like give context and we'll go i we'll, we'll tell this story and then we'll tarantino back sure. to the beginning but you know not only was there an entire platoon of infantry on this road and we've talked about in like our instagram posts about how exposed route brown was yeah um i mean there's no cover just the, the ditch is all your cover yeah entire platoon on this road but there's also an entire fucking company yeah. on the walls yeah. on the every yeah. platoon is yeah. on the wall we're fight we're elbowing each other <clears throat> for spots on the freaking hescos yeah. there's people on the roof that... there's people in trucks i mean the, the helicopters are doing incredible. gun runs where they're they're yeah, shooting oh, yeah. while they're over it's top of spare one gar and the brass is falling down on us Two while 40s being, like, were go- I, the noise was oh inc- gosh, it was deafening like it was bananas yeah. i was Such i was like holy of fire. shit so I I I, I got to tell a war story here. Sorry, but Go I made it, a conscious decision to not put on my my PT shoes, so yeah. I could, you know, so I could say I fought in flip flops. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. like the shit was going off out on Rat Brown. You guys are getting fucked up, and I started getting my kid on. I had my PTs on. I was getting my kid on, and I almost put my my feet, and I was like, no flip-flops and i put my flip-flops on and that's the reason i ended up way out there in that spur because like curse that, like uh, was the- that story from like frontline or one of those news magazines had come out and like the dude was like in his pink boxers and his junkies yeah. <laughs> is that why that, like iconic photo yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's good man that's yeah, solid yeah. that's good shit right there dude yeah uh, everybody needs to be in a firefight again like in 2017 there's a oda team sergeant man like he's going out no t-shirt you know uh plate carrier ranger panties and reef sandals man i'm like yeah but okay so but he was going on patrol like yes he was going on patrol he wasn't like okay that's uh, i don't know about that that. (laughs) 100 you there's a difference you're right i'm at least gonna put pants and boots on i'm sorry like me too me i want to be too, comfortable like that's not comfortable for a walk that's comfortable to hop up on the wall and take a couple shots <laughs> yeah. but i don't want to walk like that no, that. no. <laughs> me too man Gosh. yeah little did i so know we hit the like... rewind button oh yeah rewind button go back to when you showed up to fort stewart yeah, and man. you guys, you got um, orders that it was like you're going to Afghanistan. The first thing you thought was these. Well, no, 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 because this was <laughs> this was what uh, it's like September of 2011. There was there was nothing. No. Oh yeah, yeah. that's right. 
I was a pretty senior, uh, definitely experienced staff sergeant at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember third being extremely light in the NCO world. Yeah. Um, and I, there was no staff sergeants. I remember me and I remember Corey Khan. Um, but he was retiring. Turbo, Lieutenant Turboville, he was refratting from the uh, the lieutenant, meaning released from active duty, like for an officer to get out of the army. Um, so he was refratting and Lieutenant McGrath came in. So I took over for Corey Khan. So I was the platoon sergeant for third platoon for a while. And then uh, our... I was not for a while, but I was the third, the platoon sergeant for third platoon, and Jimmy took over as the PL. Now, you know, we did all the things, all the train ups, all the sticks, all the all the live fires. Went to NTC, so it was it was my company at NTC that was stealing the guide on. Uh, I went later to go talk to him, and like they're like, "Oh yeah, we took your guide on," and I was like, "You guys are fucking idiots, man." Um, <laughs> Because that was the thing, like the 101st, you know, we were the 101st Pathfinder company. We were the only Pathfinder company in the Army that had not ceased to operate since its inception in World War II. The only one. Wow. There's other ones that had come and gone or whatever, but we kept our, our lineage. And mm -hmm. we've we've been in every war since. Um, mm. Like, that was just part of our thing was, you know, at Campbell was to take guidons and you know, if you were getting caught or chased down, it was to say like rockasans or something stupid, and like so that way to throw them off, like it's some other unit. And yeah. like right, we had right, a whole, right. uh, we had an upstairs compartment to our building, but there was no stairs. You had to climb the rope to get there. So you had to climb up a rope. <laughs> oh my To gosh. get to the top of, and like the whole thing just has all these guidons and stuff in it. No, that was just the thing from the hundred. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, I forgot about the god on being stolen. Oh, dude, it pissed Cam Kitchen off that. so. Yeah, bad. he is not. Uh, he like he was kind of very shit. salty about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> incredibly salty about it. Um, yeah, man, went to NTC and then we started hearing. Well, before then, like uh, we'd started hearing. I had started hearing rumors about First Brigade going. So I called Division G1, the Sergeant Major there, and I'm like, hey, like, this is me. Um, you know, I gave him my whole little spiel about wanting to go and blah, 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 like the experience and like blah, blah, blah. And like, like put your I need to be in first again. brigade. Right. Um, yeah. So I can deploy. And he was like, who is this again? And I was like, Staff Sergeant Morgan. Uh, <laughs> Haven't you heard yeah, of me? <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, you know, and he's like, uh, He's like, yeah, don't ever call here again. And also, how do you know that you're not going? Or how do you know that your unit's not going? And then he hung up the phone. And I was like, huh, well, that's interesting. And we went, to, <laughs> we went to NTC and like we did the thing. Well, before we got, I think we got told before then, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah, we, we got, we got weeks. pulled to a tree or In something. In November of 2000. And like we had like a fireside chat right? under like a tree or something. Yeah, it was like. The, the BC came out and he was debriefing everybody. It was like right before Thanksgiving. It was like a yeah. weeks before Thanksgiving. Nah. So you hadn't been there long then when we found out. Yeah. Two months. No, no. Yeah. yeah. I can't months. remember. I think it was either August. I think August 2011, maybe. Something like that. It was August so or September. Been there yeah. Two or three months. Man, you just 
Yeah. You got uh, war magnet written all over you. Man. Yeah, you just catch yeah. them, don't you? True. <laughs> and I was like, man, this uh, this third ID you is. Thought sh- you, you thought you was getting put out to pasture, and then you get there two months later, yeah. you're going to fucking Pandora. <laughs> yeah. Nah, third ID was a strange animal, like really weird. Like the Marn Standard really blew my mind. Oh, God. What kind of idiot thought of that? We're going to make every infantryman wear the kit the exact same way. Fuck off, man. It is the dumbest shit I got. Man, I once once got, like, uh, third platoon was running a a training area for the company. And, like, the Sergeant Major came out. The battalion Sergeant Major came out. And, like, I had said, like, I mean, it's pretty fucking hot out here. Like, there's no reason to to be wearing all this stuff. I'm like, he's like, Morgan, get over here. And I started running across the open field. And he's like, fucking Locra. And like, their platoon took that so personal that I was, that their platoon sergeant was out there like low crawling until I hit his feet. And then he's like, get up. And I was like, okay. And he's like, what the fuck's going on here? The, and I'm like, the Whoa. official stance of the Pandering podcast is he was a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, a, that's right. a rare yeah. one from us. Very, it's very it, rare. It is. That. We don't. Yeah. We try not to call people out, but that guy was a piece of crap. No, we won't call him out by name. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even remember. I can't, I can't remember his name. Yeah, I can see his you. fucking face, and I'd like to punch it. Yeah, he was a piece of shit. Uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was awesome. Like their platoon was awesome. Uh, again, not a lot of NCOs, not a lot of leadership, not a lot of experience. The only person who'd been to Afghanistan was Joe Johnson. Johnson. John yeah. Johnson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. John yep. Johnson. Yep. Yeah. And he had been to summer uh, places that you had. He had been. Yeah, up yeah, in the yeah. East. Yep. He'd fought in the Pesh. Mm-hmm. Um, he fought in the Pesh River Valley, which it, it, those of you don't know, and you never been there, like one of the roughest places on the face mm-hmm. of the earth. Yeah. I mean, the Korangal is so special. It's so weird. Like mm-hmm. those people don't even speak any version of Afghan. They have their own language. It's called Korangali, and like yeah. your Terps are like. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what these people are saying. It's not a big valley either. It's very no. small. No, it's like a couple, yeah, that's couple miles long. about it. Yeah, but it, yeah, but it's absolutely like it, you, it's a micro. It's a microcosm, man. Uh, yeah, there's nothing. Yeah. You, it's its own little world, man. Like no matter what you do, you could you could send in a whole country's worth of army into that valley, and you'd still never pacify it. Because they, they just want to be left the fuck alone. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can yeah. relate, dude. I'm a Korangali at heart. Leave me the <laughs> yeah, fuck alone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, uh, you know. And then the other platoon sergeants. Uh, I forgot who was in second, but it wasn't Hendry at the time. It was somebody. And then you guys had James Ott, who's mm-hmm. obviously yeah. like a, the most senior of us, but not. But ironically, was not... also extremely inexperienced. Yeah, and you know, because he had spent combat, most of his yeah. career in Tradoc, he had half of Luke's deployment in Iraq, but they didn't see any combat. So, like, you know, we we learned his medal eventually. You know, he's a stellar NCO, one of the best of the best of the best. But at that point, he didn't even know it. You know, he had no yeah. idea what he was made of either. He he helped me out a lot, like, um, you know, back in the rear before we deployed. Yeah, you know, kind of like what the company was about how the battalion operated like what i should expect and blah 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 like he he helped me out a lot and he was a good dude i used to go just to go drink coffee like at the schoolhouse on on Spurwin garden shit so, yeah yeah um like he was good and I, I truly appreciated him um and then if you guys remember like right before we left we started getting all these all these people and from different dumb. units like they're plussing yeah. up 164 with 
with squads from other brigades. Mm-hmm. No, you know, and brand new came. guys like me. Yeah, <laughs> just like um, thirty yeah, brand new privates. And uh, all the NCOs were coming from other other brigades. Yeah, two seven and stuff. And uh, a sergeant first class came in, um, and they gave him third platoon. And so, um, I I think they had a they had a talk. And it was kind of like, uh, well, you know, as great as a guy is, Mo is like I I just think he carries too much influence or whatever with the uh, with the soldiers and like he can't be in the platoon um, because they don't they thought that there would be like a test of loyalty if that makes sense in there now. Um, so I got moved and uh, I had, they told me I'll go take over second platoon. I was like, well, why wouldn't this guy just go take over second platoon, but whatever. Um, I took second platoon for like a day or two days. Um, they had like Sergeant Wood and Woody, right? Yeah. They had Wood yeah, yeah. and Woody. Mm-hmm. Wood and Woody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were pumped, dude. Um, and I was like, okay, like this is, this is going to be good. Like I can at least work with these dudes because you know, second platoon, they were on some renegade shit, man. Like, they were, I was like, all right, man, like, whatever. Um, but then the Sergeant First Class list came out, and Miguel Hendry was on it. And, uh, you know, being a Sergeant, uh, Staff Sergeant Promotable, clearly, <laughs> uh, takes precedence over mm-hmm. over me. So he got second platoon. Um, I was homeless again that I had nowhere to go. Hey, were you ever in first platoon at any point? Technically, yes. <laughs> I, I Does, don't. Was it your squad in first platoon? But then when we got there, you guys got farmed out to the district center or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I somebody I nobody wanted to take responsibility for me. I was just a, a home. I was a so, redheaded stepchild. Nah. Brother, you can. Uh, you can rest uh, easy. You know, and I wanted you there. And I was like, <laughs> I seen this dude. Like, this dude. This dude's fucking. He's got it figured out. It's like we need this guy in the platoon, but you know, I was yeah. just the old pissed off salty E four. Yeah. Yeah. And it really, I think know, everyone at District Center technically fell under first platoon. I I can't remember exactly how it worked, but it boiled down to I. You might be right. Like I think somebody said that I I would be in first platoon then. And I would take mm. this group of homeless people who also right like Tom yeah. Evans. They had Sergeant Mayor. Sorry, Mayor, mm-hmm. what an awesome day. Mayor, I forgot yeah. about him. Sean McCaffrey, mm-hmm. uh, Morales, Pfeiffer, Pfeiffer, Morales, Cronin, Domingo, Justin Klein, Domingos, yeah. mm-hmm. Gabriel Dominguez. Yeah. Um, yep. um, Dominguez, yeah, he's, yeah. he's, he's squared away, dude. Too. Yeah, he, yeah. Did, he, nice he came over. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And I was like, okay, uh, you know, whatever. And we were on Sperwingar for a little while, and they're like, hey, you guys are going to go over to, uh, to DHQ. Um, you know, I went over to DHQ. Now, you know, I did. I helped that S. So before SFAB, they had the SFAT. And I was like SFAAT. So like Security right. Forces Advisory and Assist Team. And it was, it was just some made up group of people with of officers and, and NCOs of differing MOSs right. to help kind of guide a CANDAC. Right. Um, Kandak um, is like a A and A battalion. A and A battalion, yeah, right. Um, so there was like a fires officer, there's a medic, uh, you know, um, some other support, like, and you know, a couple maneuver and some support dudes, and kind of right. like, this is how you're going to shape your battalion to, to advise them and assist. Right. 
Um, but we ran everywhere from like Cop Lion down at the, the tip of the horn to, you know, Kandahar and, and everywhere in between. Um, so I knew the area very well, but, you know, we weren't, and they weren't combat troops. Like their mission wasn't combat. Uh, like yeah. they were pushing themselves to try to go find it. Um, but um, they weren't, and they weren't I able think, to. I think one of the things that we should like paint clearly, and this is, this speaks to how Panjway worked and how just pocketed everything was. It's like you guys were literally just down the road. I mean, it was like a hop and a skip, like maybe two miles. Three, yeah, I mean, a little bit more than that. Probably, but yeah, I mean, it was just, than that. We just were, past the district yeah. center. I mean, yeah, just past well, the bazaar. No, yeah. yeah, Just past Mazengar. We were probably mm-hmm. a mile, two miles exactly. from Mazengar. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we were just past, the, yeah. just past the bazaar. Um, so not just a hop and a skip. And it was in an entirely different mission shit. Oh, yeah. Different set, world. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The ODA yeah. was there. USAID was there. Um, State All the, sure. these different kind of like NGOs were there. Mm-hmm. Um, State Department. Uh, State Department, yeah. <laughs> uh, the CA and PSYOPs were there. Mm. Um, and then right across the river, across the bridge from us, was the PRT um, for for uh, Zari. Mm. And so, you know, they were more on that, that again, that advise and assist and that humanitarian kind of effort. Like they were just paying out monies for whatever kind of grievance anybody would come up and then you know as the fighting season turned on you know we would get the wounded and they'd be like oh he was just standing there and got shot or he was walking down the path and like like you know his assholes hanging out of his body because you know he was squatting over the ied not not just walking down the road like he was right just right him. yeah so <laughs> we were pretty, getting pretty all obvious the fighters. somebody's involved yeah, yeah. so yeah. we were getting all the fighters and we're like well what do you want uh you know i'm, a, I'm not i don't know there's there's probably somebody who would say i'm like callous or cold and I'm like, well, what do you want me to do about it but you know evans was there they had uh mm-hmm. their doc nanetti they had the OD, uh the 18 delta it, like, yep. these different p and like so they would do the things and we'd medevac them out and like, okay. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, it is what it is. And then, um, it was after, after Luxmore, um, after BJ got killed, um, you know, I saw Alex burner, doc burner and like, you know, I'd spent my whole, the whole train up with burner. Like, um, mm-hmm. he was my, and, Lux- and Luxmore. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And Luxmore. Cause he was my, he was the RTO. Um, and he was on the crew for the Brad, um, like, uh, you know, like two days later, he was still walking around with that bloody ass uniform and he still got BJ's blood all over on him. Like I had, a, we talked for a little while and like, Alex, you can't be walking around with this fucking thing, man. Like that's a constant reminder to the, to the dudes every, every moment. And like yeah. BJ's death hurt, uh, you know, like. He was that rarity and like a company like where he kind of crosses platoons, you know, again, like most platoons are pretty internal. And like, you just don't talk to people from other platoons. Like it's just kind of just the way it works. Uh, I mean, that's always been my experience. Um, And like, you know, he got killed. It was, 
that hurt more more than just third platoon like it hurt like the company everybody felt that impact one it, you know it made it real real like you know it wasn't like lily or pinnock or you know brazos like this is one of our own right um and you know it made it made it worse and i you know i had seen them before we deployed and i was still you know third platoon bravo company i was still a platoon sergeant um you know i, I saw bj and jamie and his mom and dad named like downtown um at a restaurant and i was like hey like don't worry this is gonna be cake btdt uh like i bring them home no worries it could be amazing nine months and we'll be back before you know it just take a couple naps and we'll be back like no big deal no i none to do with me i clearly failed that one um you know it was devastating to hear him when he when he got killed nah i saw cam kitching like i can't accept now as an answer like i have to be in this you have to get me back to my my platoon i need to be back with my with my guys um this is i can't do this anymore this is not it's not fair for me um, yeah and i think um, to illustrate you know why that was so important to you and what was going on in the company at the time you know the, the the dhq mission was very important but i mean you're basically driving between cops you're staying on the roads and the paved roads in Afghanistan in Panjway were fairly safe. You weren't, there wasn't a whole lot of risk just driving cop to cop. Um, but you know, in the, the, the units that were BSOs that were owning battle space, they're walking into the great bros. So that's when they're starting to experience all this, um, combat and BJ's death, uh, was part of a very rapid succession of very bad days yeah. that we had. Um, yeah. So you have May 30th, you lose Brazos on that huge company mission mm -hmm. or battalion mission. I'm sorry. Yeah, down in the hall. Um, we come back and then it's uh, it's Luxmore on the 10th. It's Pennick and Lily on the on the 12th. Uh, I'm sorry, on the yeah on the 12th and 14th. And then not I think it's like on like three or four days later after that is Jay. Um, you know, in the span of like two, three weeks, it's suddenly we went from kind of like, okay, this is somewhat manageable. It's dangerous, but manageable to like, we are losing guys every two to three days for, for that very short period of time. And I, whew, I can't imagine what it was like to be on the outside of that looking in. Yeah, no, it was, that's fucking miserable, man. Like it, it would be different if I had like, no, uh no emotional or psychological connection with anybody. So like, you know, Tom Evans, he doesn't know any of these people. Mayor, just, they don't know any of these people. They're just a squad that was thrown into a situation. Whereas I knew these dudes, like I know, right. yeah. like, I know what's happening. And like, I can listen to the radio and hear it. I'm like, I would call Spurwingar every fucking night. And I'm like, sir, somebody needs to get me out of here. First time, somebody like, I was there, I was calling like every night on the phone because <clears throat> like that was, it was just wasn't good for me. I, I couldn't, I couldn't take being there. Like, that's not who I like. I am a, I'm a fucking fighter. Like I need to be there. And uh, more than that, I need to be with my guys. And uh, finally, somebody, somebody listened to me. And I finally got, got pulled back over to, 
to Spur Wingar. And I kind of, I saw what happened. I think they kind of like, <clears throat> we need to give some dudes who are like under some stress a reprieve and like give them a break and like, let's put some, some fresh meat in. And, um, you know, when I went back to third platoon. Thank you for listening to another episode of season three of the Panjway podcast. We appreciate you sticking with us all the way to the end of the episode. But just one more thing before you go, please hit the like and subscribe button and make sure that you are following us on our social media.